Today's podcast, we are just talking outfielders, and we're talking about a lot of them. Welcome to Friday Show. Happy Friday, y'all. It is March 2nd, and this is part two of our outfield preview. What we're going to do is look at average draft position. I think we can probably get to like 80 guys today, so here we go. Scott, Heath, Chris, you ready? So ready. No. This is going to be the best podcast we've done all preseason. All day. Uh, so Mike Trout is number one overall. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Heath doesn't have him number one overall in Roto. Let's just do that once a podcast. We can talk about why is Mag Trout number one, not number one in Roto. No, we don't need to do that. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel like Heath would really love it if we talked about him on every podcast. No, we, no. We pretty much already do. No, he you, just did it for attention. By the way, Heath, you missed a good one yesterday. We did the uh, first hour of our auction on the air. It was really I, cool. I can only imagine the emotional reaction from Scott White as the elite players were going for like 30% more than we <laughs> thought they should. Yeah, it, it happened. Yeah, Scott's plan going into the auction was to get Mike Trout and Jose Altuve. My plan going into the auction was to get Jose Altuve and Trey Turner. Did Not you? So None of that happened. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, well, we, I'm going to air that tomorrow. Is that, it's actually really cool, very helpful. We did the auction yesterday. You'll hear it tomorrow, the first hour of, of four hours. Um, all right, so Trout won. And then uh, no outfielders for five picks. Altuve, Arenado, Goldschmidt, Turner. Bryce Harper is the number two outfielder off the board. And all right, what do you think? Bryce Harper is going sixth or seventh overall. He's going ahead of Kershaw, Betts, Blackman, Stanton, Scherzer, Correa, etc. Uh, your thoughts? We we know what the upside is. Mm-hmm. It sounds where I like where I rank him. Uh, we we mentioned on the first half of the outfield preview that. He was the second best hitter on a per game basis last year behind Trout, so it makes sense. I do feel like, I do feel like you could make the case he's the riskiest first round hitter. Yep. Well, I don't know about first round hitter, but of, yes, of the three outfielders that I would rank in that two, three, four range, I think he's the riskiest. Yeah, and it's not just because of the injuries. The, the performance has also varied a lot. Like he's, he's someone that we know if he stays healthy, he can be very good, but he played mm. 147 games in 2016. Now I know he had, he, the, he wasn't healthy. He had the shoulder thing, but he was yeah. healthy enough to play. Right. It's not like he missed a bunch of time and he wasn't very good. He wasn't bad. Like the thing about but, Bryce Harper is he's never going to ruin your season. Well, uh, well, well, he might if he gets hurt. He did that. I think he did ruin people. I mean, he, that year, not in like, points leagues. He was he six wasn't in points, six, 16 in Roto. Uh, because he walks so much. Uh, alright, so let me, let me sum it up with Harper. Tell me what you think about this. 2015, he was the number one outfielder. Uh, he, he hit 330 with 42 home runs. He stole six bases. He was the number one hitter in, in points, number three in Roto. Just a tremendous year, 2015. 2016 gets off to a start of more of the same. He had nearly an 1100 OPS for 35 games. And then he slumped badly a 734 OPS in his final 112 games. Now here's what I didn't know. Until a few days ago, but I find interesting. So I said, first 35 games of 2016, Harper was great. After that, not so much. First 35 games of 2017, Harper was great. 1271 OPS, like not great, Hall of Legendary. 1271 OPS in 35 games. Last 76 games, he had an 888 OPS. 
But 38 walks, 72 strikeouts, which is worse than what you expect. 16 homers and 76 games. Like, he was fine. Do you make anything of that, that it was it was an unevenly distributed production last year for Harper? No. Two years in a row. Because how many of those games were after he came back from the injury? Yeah, most. That That's always tough. Like, it's hard to say exactly why it happened, but when you miss a bunch of time, it, it is... It's hard to to necessarily know. And we're bemoaning a near 900 OPS, you know? Yeah. Yes, yes. But, I mean, if you're going to take him, like, some people are going to take him second overall. So yeah. it's it's something, it's probably only worth bemoaning because he is a top seven pick or so. But, all right, fair enough. Just keep in mind with Harper, will you tell me how many steals you expect? Because he's, you know, he had 21 two years ago. He had four last year. Yeah, like five. I wouldn't, you know, and he's done 20 before. So it's not outside the realm of possibility, but you can't count on it. Okay. Um, so then after Harper, in terms of outfield, we have, uh, is it Blackman? No, it's Betts. The Betts, Blackman, Stanton basically go, Harper, Betts, Blackman, Stanton going back to back to back to back. It's that simple. Harper, Betts, Blackman, Stanton. How do you guys feel about that order? I've got Blackman ahead of those guys, but I don't want it to make it seem like I think I'm against Mookie Betts at all. He he has just about as good a chance of being the number two outfielder as anybody. And he just had a down year with 24 home runs, 26 steals, 100 runs, 100 RBI. The batting average was a complete fluke. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it would not. He's one of maybe a, a handful of players that it shouldn't be that surprising if he's the number one hitter in fantasy this year. Yeah, he was... It was it was pretty much his worst case scenario as a hitter because the Babbitt was so out of character with what had happened previously, uh, and yet he was still a borderline first rounder. So there's like Mookie Betts feels among the safest of the first round hitters. It's just comparing him versus Blackman. Blackman, you, you know, if you're not doing it per game, if you're just doing overall, Blackman was the best hitter in fantasy last year. Yep, and a big part of that is volume. But he should get 725, which yeah. is what Mookie should have yeah. on his in his favor. Right. They both um, should get volume. Yes. But well, Blackman's volume is probably going to go down. Well, I I mean I think the upside is higher for Blackman too, playing a course field guy who hit 331 last year, right? 324 the year before as well. Yeah. I mean he's he's and every year it seems like we go in thinking, okay, well Charlie Blackman can't be that good again, and then he just gets better the following year. That's happened like three or four years in a row. I, We've probably seen the best of him. I, I have a hard time. Like I under, he's 31. I have a hard time seeing him basting a 331, 1000 OPS season. I'm not disagreeing with you. Like I'm, he'll just, be 32 I'm just saying we say that every year. And like, my point is I'm not really worried about him dropping off from last year too much. I'm just a, the only knock on Blackman. I think I, I might rank him fourth. If I did rankings, um, at outfield or overall, overall, okay. The only knock on him is the the move down to third, and he's coming off a career year, and he's probably going to see a little bit of regression, even if the talent level stays the same. But mostly, it's just if he moves down to third, there will be more RBI opportunity, fewer to opportunities to score runs, and he's going to get fifty to sixty fewer plate appearances, and that's not insignificant. That's like eight percent of his. Total last year. And for what it's worth, like the projection systems see a massive drop off for him next this year. He's basically right around a 300 hitter with 27 home runs, 100 runs Why? instead of 137. Why would that be the case? I mean, he's two they years just, in a row. He's been great. 
they have to, the projection systems have to build in regression, not just to the mean of your career, but also to the league. And he was so far ahead in runs, hits, triples, total bases, plate appearances that I would guess they probably only have him for like 680 plate appearances, right? Uh, 663. Yeah. That's, and that's a huge, that's more than a, that's about a 10% drop. And the batting average makes sense because he had a 371 batting yeah. last year. He's got a career of 338. You don't expect him to hit 330. You mm-hmm. expect him to hit maybe 310, well, but, but probably but closer to I, 300. I think when you look at Charlie Blackman's career, I mean, it's only been two years where he's been a total stud, right? And, and so yeah. it's, he's been much better than he was earlier in his career. So you have to figure out how much you want to weigh that. The bottom line is two straight years of hitting 324 or better. Two straight years, if he had played 155 games in 2016, he only played 143. We're talking about a guy who was a, a top six hitter both seasons. So everybody likes Charlie Blackman. Um, no need to uh, get too nitpicky, but those are valid points you guys bring up. We know Stanton. I mean, I asked Scott on a podcast uh, a few weeks ago, is there anything that concerns you about Stanton other than than uh, injury? And he said no. I, I think I brought up batting average. You never know with this guy. He could hit 280, 290. He could hit 260. But uh, Stanton's really Yeah, good. I don't think that's as much of a concern anymore because his strikeout rate dropped by so much last year. He's not really among the biggest strikeout hitters in the game anymore. And, um, you know, there were some he, – he's a guy who closed his stance to uh, help him on pitches that were um, eating him up. Before then, probably contributing to that high strikeout number. I think he's made adjustments that'll stick. And the, you look at the, I'll, I'll use OPS because the league environment has changed so much. Oh, I'll use OPS plus. Last four seasons, 164, 159, 120, 165. That 120 stands out like a sore thumb. Last year was the career year, but in terms of OPS plus, he was basically at the level he had been at before. The 2016, was him coming back from that broken hand that ended his 2015 season. I kind of think that's the one you throw out. Yeah, and he had a 29-game stretch in 2016 where he hit 118. Remember? That was just crazy. This is Giancarlo Stanton. The rest of the year he had a 906 OPS. And by the way, OPS Plus measures how good a guy is relative to the rest of the league. So, yeah, he's awesome. All right, so that's our first round. It's Trout. It's Harper. Betts, Blackman, Stanton. Uh, and then there's only one outfielder currently being taken in the second round in a 12-team league, and that's Aaron Judge. But I think if we look at the next four outfielders, they're in a, in a tier together, maybe. Aaron Judge, J.D. Martinez, who's going 24th, and that's, that seems a little late, maybe now that he's officially a Boston Red Sox. He, I think that's how you say it, right? Boston Red Sox? Uh, not Sock. He's a Sock. I think it's Sox. Soccer. I think Adam's right, actually. I would just probably say he's a member of the Boston Red Sox, you so you don't have to sound like you're not sure. All right, okay, so it's Judge 16, member of Boston Red Sox, J.D. Martinez 24th, Cody Bellinger 25th, also first base eligible, George Springer 28th. Boy, I think you can make a, I think you can put them in any order, except probably not Bellinger, but Judge, Martinez, Bellinger, Springer, what do you think about that group of four going in the second and early third round? I like Martinez more than Judge, uh, and I'm at least in points leagues. I like Springer more than Bellinger, uh, but to me, you know, you, I could, you know, I could go back and forth on that one. To me, it's I, I got to have more Martinez over Judge. I feel like that's safer. Yeah, what's, I, what's really interesting is looking at, uh, at NFBC. You can sort their ADP by time period. Over the last two weeks, JD Martinez ADP is only twenty third. 
So he hasn't really moved. Up. I don't think, and I, I think our analysis and most of the analysis has been that this is not necessarily a huge benefit to his value going to Boston. I, he was already in a great park last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Fenway is a good home run park, but he is not like, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I feel like he's not, he's more of a line drive home run hitter than a towering shot. I would expect a lot of doubles from JD Martinez. Well, sure. yeah, I don't know. Like that's the thing when you put, when you do those park overlays on, um, baseball savant or I'm not even sure home run tracker exists anymore, but it is, know, it is hit tracker offline now. Okay. Yeah. Um, like if you just if you just do the landing spot of the balls relative to the fence, JD Martinez would have gained ten home runs last year with the Green Monster. It's just they don't tell you how high right those would have landed. So uh, you know it's it's hard to tell. And, he, and for what it's worth, he wouldn't have um, at least compared to Chase Field, he wouldn't have lost any in right field. There were two home runs he hit last year. That wouldn't have cleared the fence at Fenway, but apparently he hit them in a park other than Chase Field because they wouldn't have at Chase Field either. So I, I do think there's a possibility he gains from this. It's hard to see him improving at all from last year because he was already achieving heights he had never reached before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the floor is nearly as low as it is for Aaron Judge. That's the main thing. Yeah, well, Martinez has hit 300 or better in three of the last four seasons. We don't expect that from Judge. Um, home runs last four seasons, though, has been weird. 23, 38, 22, and then 45, uh, in, like, he was on a 57 homer pace, I think. But, I don't know, he's had a couple years, JD Martinez, with less than 30 home runs. And I know the game. Mostly played. because of injury. He's well, had no. only one year where he's played even 125 games. That's true. That's another good Which, point. He's gonna DH, that should help. He's gonna DH. I mean, yeah, I'm that, hoping that the Nelson help. Cruz effect happens it, there. One thing to get back to the Fenway effect, he only hit 22% of his fly balls and line drives to the pull side last year. Um, he hits most of his home runs. And, there's a fairly even distribution, but he hits more of his fly balls center or away. And in Fenway, that's not necessarily a good thing for a right-handed hitter. All right, so we like J.D. Martinez, bottom line. We like Judge. Yes. Uh, Springer, I, I, I said this yesterday, I think he's better in points leagues than he is in Roto. He's going to get a ton of plate appearances. His plate discipline was much better last year. Um, and, yeah, he, he wa- I just also want to mention he had a 973 OPS in 99 games before hurting his quad. So, you know, maybe he does have 40 homer power. I mean, he had 34 in 40, 140 games last year. I guess it's not that big of a stretch. Yeah, he has. And, and the other thing is, like, to help his roto value, he had 112 runs in 140 games. If he plays a full season, we know that offense is going to be awesome. He may lead the league in that category. Okay. So then Bellinger, should he be at the end of that group? Should he be after Judge uh, Springer and J.D. Martinez? Cody Bellinger? Yes. Okay. Uh, all right, then let's move on past this group here. And we go to uh, – this is the group I talked about where I, I get a lot of outfielders. I think we all get outfielders here. We have uh, Marcelo Zun- – oh, no. Uh, we have Benintendi first, 42nd overall. So we're into rounds four and five. It's Benintendi, Ozuna. Hoskins, Justin Upton, who was a top six outfielder last year, Christian Yelich, Starling Marte, and then Nelson Cruz, 52nd overall. He's not outfield eligible for us. It is Benintendi, 42, Ozuna, 44, Hoskins, 44 or 5, Justin Upton, 46, Yelich, 50, Starling Marte, 51, Nelson Cruz, 52. We should add one more player into this group. Uh, D. Gordon will be outfield eligible. 
after the first week of the season. Uh, someone emailed us asking about that. You'll probably play him at second base, but he's there. Uh, yeah, it's a good point. All right, so Yelich is the underdrafted one, right? At 51, uh, 10 spots later than Benintendi, or nine spots later? I think yeah. that's about right. I I don't see much of an argument for Benintendi over Yelich. And Ozuna, we think, is a little overdrafted at 44? Yes. What Maybe about, a little, yeah. What about Justin Upton, guys? Yeah, that's. I think that's buying a little too much into what he did last year, which was, you know, every five years or so, he has a year like that where <laughs> he's like he, Jeepers Creepers. He makes people think that he has, uh, you know, elite upside, and I guess technically he does because he's done it a few times. But it, it it takes it takes a lot of things going right for him, and last year specifically, I mean, it was his highest BABIP since two two thousand ten. Um, it was his highest ISO ever. His highest home run to fly ball rate ever. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that like, one. He's, he's. His two highest are the last two seasons for home run to fly ball rate. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Because of the ball. I think but the, the ISO makes the, perfect sense. I don't know if the 21 makes perfect the sense. The ISO in 2016 was in line with career norms, even if he was having a higher, higher home run to fly ball rate. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't. It's possible that playing in the same lineup as Trout, he has a higher ceiling because of that. But I think last year was probably the best case scenario for him. And it's worth pointing out after he went to the Angels, um, his hard contact rate plummeted. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's there's much to that. That's what twenty five games. Well, like considering the, considering his hard contact rate ball, was a career high. Sure, like, I, I think it been, was. I think there was some regression to the mean there. Right, but he's been consistently high 30s every single season. I think 2015 and 2016 represent more. I think those are closer to his floor than 2017 was his ceiling. I will listen. Let me let me just speed it up because I do want to get to a whole bunch of guys and we're at like 15 outfielders so far, right? So Justin Upton is going in the early fifth round or late fourth round. Uh, he's the 14th outfielder off the board, including Reese Hoskins, who you could play at first base. When would you guys consider taking Justin Upton? I do not want to take him. Like I, I think that Yelich and Benintendi and Ozuna and Starling Marte and Roto, I prefer all of them over Justin Upton. How do you guys feel about him? If he's there in like round six, I'd have to probably consider it. Yeah, I would. I won't mind him at the end of the fifth, but I agree with you about taking all of those other outfielders except for maybe Ozuna ahead of him. Okay, cool. I think the most undervalued of this group is Starling Marte, and I know he had a terrible 2017, and he had the suspension, and that was all really bad. But just go back to what he was in 2016, and even what he was at the end of last year, where he tore it up in September. It, this is what's that? We just have to do. It's D Gordon. We sure. did this with D Gordon a year ago. We we thought that well, he was on PEDs, that's why he was good. Most of these guys maintain their games. Whatever you think the gains were, most of the guys who are suspended for PEDs don't all of a sudden lose their mojo. Right. And, I, and I, I said this for Heath yesterday, but Marte was 10th in Roto in 2015, 12th in 2016, and only 129 games. Mm-hmm. He's a lot better in Roto. So I guess, yeah. uh, Heath, you love Marte there at about 51st, second overall. Where would you guys take Starling Marte? That's, that's our early round five. Where would you take him in points? I would take him probably around seven, eight. 
And I'm not waiting till round five to take Starling Marte because in a lot of roto leagues, especially our, our expert leagues, he goes earlier than that. I yeah. might take him ahead of anybody in this group. Well, we see him go as early as round three, and I'm I'm not one to take him there. I am. Um, and I'm you know if I'm drafting with Heath, I just don't even think about drafting him because of that. Uh, but yeah, in points leagues, you could he might lose as much as five rounds of value. He might lose the most of any single player going from roto to points. Yeah, I've got him at the end of round seven, and I love him in roto, so that tells you. Okay. Uh, I don't know that I'd take Marte over the rest of those guys, the Benintendis, Ozunas, Hoskins. I'd definitely over Upton if if I drafted a good steal source of my first three or four picks. Then it might be a little redundant. You know, you could be I, yeah. losing power. Just keep in mind, because how many home runs do you expect from Marte? Fifteen. Fifteen's probably about right. Yeah. yeah. So that's fine. Just keep it in mind. And a three hundred average. I. The thing about steals is if you're not getting Billy Hamilton or Trey Turner or a, like a 50 or 60 steal guy, you're going to need three or four of those guys. And just one more thing about this group that you pointed out yesterday, Adam, that we probably do need to discuss. Andrew Benintendi has not yet shown the ability to even be Christian Yelich against lefties. He's been more uh, Jake Lamb yeah. against them. He has like a 580 OPS, uh, and it's not a BABIP thing. He has a 281 BABIP against them in his career with four extra base hits and 164 plate appearances. That's really bad. He's young enough to improve, but if he doesn't, this draft position is probably going to look pretty bad. Okay, and that's Benintendi, who is going 42nd overall. So that group again is Benintendi, Ozuna, Reese Hoskins, Justin Upton, who we think is going early at 46, Yelich, who we think is going late at 51, same spot for Marte, who's late in Roto, uh, early in points. Uh, and then Nelson Cruz is 52nd overall. And, yeah, we don't have a DH preview, so where would you guys take Nelson Cruz? He is DH only in our leagues. Round five. Okay, uh, so right there. Depending on how the first three picks, I might take him in round four. If I need power, he's – I. in terms of production, if he's healthy, he's going to be better than any of these guys. Yeah, I, I, round five seems right to me. All right, Nelson Cruz. And let's go to the next group of five outfielders. We've got a lot of speed here and one slugger, low batting average, 40-homer guy. This is basically the beginning of round six, and it's all of round six. Byron Buxton, Tommy in a 12-team league. Byron Buxton, Tommy Pham, A.J. Pollock, Billy Hamilton, Chris Davis with a K. Byron Buxton, Tommy Pham, A.J. Pollock, Billy Hamilton, Chris Davis. Scott White, give me your thoughts on outfielders 18 through 22 and the sixth round here. Well, you know which one is my favorite, I'm Tommy sure. Tommy Pham, yep. Tommy Pham, yes. Tommy Pham, I feel like, is the one who could be a legitimate five-category contributor. And the the category I'm actually the least confident in is home runs because of the Relatively low fly ball rate for him. Um, but, you know, he hits the ball really hard. And Wait a second. Yeah, wait I'm, a second. I'm, wait, you, you're most confident in home runs from Tommy Pham? I'm, le- I'm least confident oh, least, in yeah. home runs. And from he did Tommy have Pham. a very high home run yeah. fly ball ratio. Right. The, the, the quality of the contact he makes, the speed he has, the uh, all fields approach. Like, he's going to hit for average, probably going to steal bases like he did last year. He walks a ton. You could make the argument he's even more valuable in points leagues than in this one. And I think he's the only one of this group that you could make that argument for. It's a lot of um, roto specialists here. Mm-hmm. But Tommy Pham is one I like to draft at this point because I feel like 
first of all, he has early round, you know, like second round upside. And second of all, batting average and steals help in the fifth round. Those guys are starting to run out. So that's kind of interesting. So if you are buying into Tommy Pham, then it makes sense to maybe take, let's see who's going in like the, you know, late 40s range. To pass up on Benintendi and Yelich and that group, if you, you don't have to, but you could pass them up and take Robbie Ray or take a closer. They are going that early. I, I mean, that that's, is that's very often early. what I do. Yeah, yeah, take a starting pitcher in round four and then take Fam in round five. That's and his, yeah. look, if he's who he was last year, and you know he didn't play till May, so you know the totals aren't quite there. But just on a per game basis, he's who he was last year. He's better than all those guys you passed over anyway. Now, I would build in some regression. For him, I think he had like a 27% home run to fly ball rate. That's fine. That's why we don't. Yeah. That's why we don't draft him ahead of those yeah. guys. But I'm saying, if he is who he was last year, that he's he's been better than any of them. You know, with the exception of Pollock, obviously that one year. Happened. Yeah. I think the Pollock that one year thing is a good point to bring up with him being in this group because he's got 2,000 major league plate appearances. He's been elite for almost half of them. The other half, he's been okay. And now the humidor thing happens. I don't know if you expect more than 15 home runs for him. For who? For Pollock? For Pollock. Oh, yeah. we're on Pollock now. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I don't expect the huge run production numbers for Pollock either because I don't expect the Diamondbacks to score as many runs. So he really has to get back to stealing 40 bases or 39 like he did in 2015. I don't know how likely that is. He's now got a 317 career BABIP over those 2,000 plate appearances, which means he's probably not a 300 hitter either. It's very unlikely, I think, that he gets back to 40 stolen bases. This guy is, is he 30? He's 30. Uh, has had a bunch of groin and quad injuries over the last year. And the 39 stolen bases in 2015 are really impressive, but he's had 2,000 plate appearances in his career. If you divide that by 630 plate appearances, which is a, Probably a high-end projection for him. He's stolen 27 bases per 630 plate appearances. The only thing I would say is that if if the humidor impacts the offense the way some of us fear it it does, they they may find that they need to ask him to run more just to generate offense. So yeah. we'll we'll see how that goes. The, the bottom line is with the humidor, AJ Pollock is one of those hitters I certainly want to draft here, and I doubt I'm going to draft much at all. Right, yeah. So it's Buxton, then Fam, then Pollock, Ham- Billy Hamilton, and Chris Davis with a K. And um, you know, like Chris Davis, twenty second outfielder off the board. He's been better better than that two straight years. It seems a little late. Pro- probably being undervalued because there's not really like he doesn't. The thing he's not going to get better. Is the most plentiful thing, and he's not going to get better than he's been the last two years. And yeah. I think he's probably being dinged for the apparent upside of guys like. Buxton and Benintendi and Yelich ahead of him, but there's a pretty good chance he finishes ahead of those guys. Yeah, well, here's where the, I mean, the raw numbers, right? I mean, Chris Davis was 11th in points, 13th in Roto at outfield last year. 2016, he was 15th in points, 10th in Roto. He basically had the lineup, same exact season. That lineup's going to be better. I think that lineup could be pretty good. I would take Chris Davis over Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, well, you're going to sacrifice batting average, right? Yeah. Yeah, yep. I, I won it, I mean... I, I maybe I have Chris Davis the lowest of us here. I've got um, him 19th. No, so how low do you have Ozuna? Maybe it's 22nd. Just, yeah, you're just that low on Ozuna. That's fair. Right. Okay. Um. So Davis is a is a pretty nice value there, 22nd overall. Billy Hamilton. Is there any reason to draft Billy Hamilton in a points league? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he. Um. 
really? Let me let me pull up exactly what he averaged on a point per game basis. But you got to remember, points in our standard scoring are worth uh, stolen bases in our standard scoring are worth two points apiece. And when you're delivering 50, 60 of them, yeah, I mean but, that's that's kind of the equivalent of what? Uh, well, I'll 30, tell you I'll tell you where he finished, Scott. Um, sorry, it's it's kind of the equivalent of 15 to 20 home runs. 35th in points in 139 games. So yeah, he could be a top 30 guy. Hamilton averaged more points per game last year, even with, you know, him being a crappy hitter and all of that, than, than Adam Jones. Uh, he was right there with Nick Castellanos. It was more than Yasiel Puig. I mean, those guys are all relevant. We don't expect Billy Hamilton to play every day, right? I think of the four outfielders, he'll play the most just because he's far and away the best defensive option. Well, Scott Shebler's, uh, is it Scott Shebler? I was, I, yeah, that's Scott Schebler is on this that's team. His name. Is he? A, but <laughs> one of them has been a. Go- I think it's Adam Duvall has been a Gold Glove finalist each of the last two years in left field. Now it's I left mean, field. He's not going to have the range that Hamilton has said, in center. But what they've said is that Duvall is only going to play left, and Hamilton is only going to play center. You know who's going to play center when Hamilton sits? Ben Revere. May I? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> They're they're trying to figure out how to get Winker in the lineup, even you know when Duvall and Shebler both had 30 homer seasons last year. I think I think ultimately they're just going to figure out Winker's better than Shebler. But yeah, I think 140 games is probably closer to his ceiling. All right, and then I, I think it's really personal preference on where you want to draft uh, Billy Hamilton, but his value. I like him better in five outfielder leagues than three outfielder leagues cat- categories or roto. The more hitters that you have in your lineup to guard against the weaknesses of Billy Hamilton, which is basically everything but steals, and if he if he doesn't hit near the top of the order, he's not going to get you runs either. You need to you need more hitters because if he's he could really drag your batting average down, your OBP like he could be terrible for you in everything but steals, and he could still win you the category in, in steal of steals, even if you have more hitters. You know, he does, it doesn't have to be a shallow. You know what I'm saying? Like his steals impact wouldn't really change. But the negatives of Billy Hamilton um, are greater in shallower formats. Okay, so after that group of Buxton, Fam, Pollock, Hamilton, and Davis. And by the way, if you missed it yesterday, we did talk about Buxton going a little early at 60th overall. But look, I mean, there's obviously huge upside there. And he stole 29 bases in 30 attempts, or 30 and 31. It was amazing. We've got Andrew McCutcheon, 79th overall. Nope, not for me. But maybe in points. Maybe in points. Uh, I'm pretty good with this. I think this is, if not a good value, it's certainly not an overpay. Yeah, point. I think it's fine. I've and I've ended up with him in that range. It is fine, but I feel like there are other players in that range at other positions, like uh, like uh, pitchers maybe, or Cespedes, or yeah, like Garrett Cole. Is Cespedes going in this range? Because yeah. I've got him and McCutcheon back to back. He is going. Cespedes going seven picks later. Um. All right, so it's this this range of outfielders is McCutcheon. I, you know, I'm just going to stop hating on McCutcheon because I burned everybody on that last year, and I apologize. McCutcheon, Domingo Santana, Cespedes, Lorenzo Cain, and Ryan Braun. Cespedes' ADP must have changed because as of yesterday, it was Santana, Cain, Braun, back-to-back-to-back, three Brewers. Now it's uh, McCutcheon, Santana, Cespedes, Cain, Braun. Uh, your thoughts, guys? Kane seems out of place there. Yeah, actually, he's by far actually, the best value. Braun is out of place because Braun is 15 picks behind Kane, so I shouldn't have uh, included him. It's McCutcheon, Santana, Cespedes, Kane. 
Okay, well, just in terms of the order, I mean, Kane I like more, even than, even going back to McCutcheon. I might like Kane more than Chris Davis. I, I might like Kane more than Benintendi. I like Kane more than Christian Yelich. Wow. I, I don't we see like Kane. Mu- I don't see much of a difference between Benintendi, Yelich, and Kane in terms of what I expect. Like the 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 shape of their production will be a little different. Kane probably won't score as many runs as Yelich, but he'll steal more bases than any of them. He'll have a little less power than Yelich. And but I mean, the thing is, we've never seen Kane in a favorable hitters venue. Yeah, ever and or in a know, really good lineup. He has some power. It's it's been spotty in Kansas City, but he's it's been better on the road during his time there. Uh, the reason I guess the biggest reason I'd rank him behind like Yelich and Benatendi is is health concerns because sure. he can he's had some of those. Yeah, but big time. I think he's about to have a career season. He's thirty two so. though. He'll be thirty two. Yeah. Lorenzo came be yep. thirty two in April. Christian Yelich is twenty three. That matters. Yeah, I'm at, I, yeah, I agree. It, it matters, matters in but... projecting improvement in skills, but I don't think Lorenzo Kane needs to improve his skills to dramatically outperform this draft price. Well, he doesn't, I guess, but how many home runs do you expect from Kane? Because his career high is 16. I would expect a new career high. Yeah, would you expect 25? Or is Probably that not. Little, a little high. It? All right. Maybe 19. But sure. batting average, steals... Probably, probably runs. Yeah, probably a 290 hitter, like 285 at worst. Okay. Uh, we did talk about Domingo Santana yesterday. It's just, and Braun, you know, it's just a matter of playing time. But uh, Santana going 85th overall. Would you take Santana or McCutcheon? McCutcheon. Yes, McCutcheon. Yeah. Yep. And then, like, Cespedes is going in this range. Maybe I'm more likely to take him in shallower leagues where the replacements are better. Because I don't, I I know health is a concern, but when he's healthy, Cespedes is still a much better hitter than any of these guys. I'd say. I mean, he's he's yeah. kind of an elite hitter. I mean, he wasn't last year. He wasn't. Uh, maybe injuries were contributing to that. I mean, if I'm just you know just looking in terms of head-to-head points per game, he's been a three-five guy before, and last year he was two-nine-eight, which you know. Oh uh, wait, 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 you know what? I know why. What? He didn't play that many games, and he had some pinch okay. hit appearances. And that I I had the same thought. I was like, how did was he not better on a per game basis? How many how many uh, how many games were? He had what five percentage of pinch, his games were reserves. Five out of eighty one. It he actually had did make a bit of a difference. Games where he had three or fewer plate appearances. Uh, he had an eight ninety two OPS. I mean, that's really good. Uh, yeah. He can be he had eight eighty four OPS in two thousand sixteen. So, I mean, you know, he's pretty good. I don't. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody's having an 8.92 OPS in that group, other than Cespedes. Look at McCutcheon, Kane, Braun, and Santana. I know we've had this conversation before. I just, I, I feel like he's he's in the downslide of his career, just with the age and the injuries, and yeah, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not counting on a resurgence or even a 140 games from Cespedes this year. Okay, let's go to the next group then. Outfielders 28 through 31. Braun, that's Braun Puig and Castellanos. This can be quick. Braun Puig and Castellanos, who's also third base eligible, rank them. Nope, nope, and nope. (laughs) (laughs) They all all feel a little high, but I would rank them the way they're being drafted. I'm telling you, it's it's much more likely you're going to get Castellanos in like round 16 than Braun. I, I understand the ADP, the average draft position comes out this way. Maybe in some certain drafts, a lot of people are reaching for Castellanos. 
but provided you don't have to do that, um, I think he might surprise you this year. But I would take none of these guys at this spot in the draft. Okay. Uh, what about just in general? We know it's hard to say that Ryan Braun has breakout potential, but we know Castellanos does. We've discussed that on the third base preview. What about Puig? Puig had a 920 OPS in his last 92 games. He just needs to get the batting average up, and he had a very low Babbitt last year. But, but uh, you know, he's he's a solid player. Does Puig have like fifth round potential? You know, could he be a steal? I mean, you look at just what he did in the terms of the counting stats, particularly if we're talking five by five, 28 homers, 15 steals in what was a pretty low number of at-bats because they, they hit him eighth so much of the year. And I'm, I'm guessing that's why he wasn't more productive because he got stuck at the bottom of the order there. But that changed later in the season. That was different in the playoffs. They batted him more in the middle of the order again. Like, he could have... Like, I, I don't think it's crazy to think he could be a 30-20 guy this year. Yeah. Not counting on it, obviously, but he it was it was a really encouraging season after, um, you know, looking like he might have been playing his way out of a full-time role. And he's another one of those guys that oddly cut his strikeout rate to just about the lowest it's ever been, but had a terrible BABIP, so the batting average still looked like it wasn't any good. Uh, if he may, if, if Scott's theory is correct and that K percentage and cuts in that are stickier, then you should expect him to hit around 280 next year. That'd be pretty good for Yasiel Puig. I'm going to move Yasiel Puig up. Yeah, I like Puig. I we mean, may have just talked each other into that. No, I, yeah. Chris I is always been a Puig guy. I said I'd rather have Braun. I think I'd rather have Puig. Yeah. Maybe on a per game basis, Ron will be better. Braun will be better, but Puig, Puig is, you know, if we're talking about health risk, Puig doesn't have any. He has a, he has, <laughs> Puig is and a, he has a personality risk. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Hanley Ramirez, where it's kind of like, hey, you can look hey. at the, you can look hey, at the man. numbers. You don't watch, know, watch yourself. you don't watch know what yourself. you're going to get from, from Yasiel Puig. He's, watch yourself. Those you want, are two of my favorite players Mercurial. you want ever. You want to go back to our early podcasting days, Milton Bradley. Milton Bradley. That is unfair. Yeah. Unfair. Milton Bradley had much bigger issues. Like, Yasiel Puig and Hanley Ramirez are kind of knuckleheads. Milton Bradley, like, will hit people multiple times. All right, just, all right, all right. Throw all right. Joey Bell in there. All, all right, right. Let's, let's go here. Uh, let's get into the 30s in outfield and get into round 11. Ian Desmond, Ender Inciarte, Eddie Rosario, Adam Jones. Ian Desmond, Ender Inciarte, who was right around 20th last year. Uh, for the Braves at outfield, Eddie Rosario and Adam Jones. What do you guys think? I think Eddie Rosario seems low uh, compared to these guys. And we talked about it a little on the first half of the preview. He's one of those players where if you look at the, if you, if you try to make the, to get the, the peripherals to jibe with the production, there's not much reason to doubt Rosario. It all added up. It's just, do you trust that the improvements he made peripherally will stick? And, I do. I mean, it was mostly like he made a lot more contact. Yeah. Chris is shaking his head, but he's not I saying anything. I, 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 I don't like it. Dude, I, I don't like he still have. has it. Like he cut his strikeout rate, but he still swings and misses a ton. His contact rate, like his actual rate of contact is 78%, which is still pretty low. It doesn't really support uh, an 18% strikeout rate. He was more aggressive. I think he swung more. So the swings and misses came with two strikes less often, but I 
that was such an outlier season. I just, I don't buy it. Well, he's still yeah, a developing yeah. player. I mean, how year. old is he? 25? 26. 26. 26. Which is still developing, but not, I don't know. I, NCRTE is probably the one I like the most out of this group. I draft him a lot. Uh, who, who else was in the group? There's got to be somebody else. Desmond, Enciarte, Rosario, and Adam Jones. I want no part of Adam Jones at that price. Uh, 130th, 129th overall. Yeah, like I've this draft, is outside of the 10th round. I've drafted Desmond, but I just Adam Jones at this point is is just present. I think safe, safe 25 home runs, 80, 80, decent batting average. Yeah, like I, it to me, that's boring. He's like a, he's, like, he's a well. replacement level starting fantasy player at across the board. I, I mean, 100. percent We're talking around. 10 like oh, he's yeah. a must start no no i really you think okay. so i think i, I, I mean think if he does those numbers he always does well why let me you start all right, look if, if he played he played 147 games last like year five outfielder league or like we're talking about here yeah you know in a five outfielder league you're starting he's a must start adam jones number 31 in points number 32 in roto in 147 games in a three outfielder league i would say he's not a must start in a five outfielder league there is nice safety you know, say, I, you know what? I think in a three outfielder categories league, he is still a must start. Now, if you're talking points, he hardly ever walks. In a three outfielder categories league, so that's fringy. But yeah, I don't. Uh, th- there's not a lot of upside in this group, though. I mean, th- I'm I'm not really liking this round of outfielders. I think because of Ian Desmond's age, we probably maybe sell his upside a little bit short. But uh, the Rockies are talking about the possibility of Ian Desmond leading off. If he's a leadoff hitter and just gets Gosh. back to eighty percent of what he was. Mm-hmm. He's going to have massive upside. I, I, yeah. I was going to say if there was one player in this group with big upside out of Desmond and Inciarte Jones, I was going to say, wouldn't it be in Desmond? Yeah. And yeah, and Rosario's in that group too. Desmond and Inciarte are the only ones of this group that I've drafted at all. All right. So, uh, moving on to, uh, round 12. Yeah. Like, uh, late round 11 into round 12 or maybe late round 12 into round 13, actually. Jay Bruce. Uh, kind of underrated. Top 20 outfielder, I think, two years in a row. Adam Eaton. Awesome in points. Here's my Adam Eaton stat. Uh, well, I'll get to it in a second. Let me read the rest of the group. Jay Bruce, Adam Eaton. I'm going to take Ian Happ out because, you know, we love him. He, uh, Heath loves him. Breakout guy, but he's second base eligible. You'll probably play him there. He's the best value here. Gregory Polanco. And, well, it's pretty, let's stop there. Jay Bruce, Adam Eaton, and Gregory Polanco. Uh, we're at almost 40 outfielders off the board at this point, 40 true outfielders. Adam Eaton in points leagues, I mean, this is an amazing value. This guy was a top 17 outfielder in points in both 2015 and 2016, and he was on pace to be a top 5 outfielder in points last year. It is skewed because, one, it was a very small sample size. He played uh 23 games. Two, he played some games at Coors Field, four games at Coors Field, and he did very well. But, like, honestly, if Adam Eaton stays healthy... I don't see how he's not a top 20 outfielder in points leagues. Agree or disagree? No, that's probably right. He's, yeah, in points leagues. Like, he's one of those guys who doesn't really excel at any one thing. So, like, certainly, certainly if we're talking about a 5x5 context, I'd rather have somebody like Adam Jones, who I expect to beat him, well, by a good amount in home runs. Um, But in a points league, you know, he walks a fair amount. Um, I'd much rather have Eaton than Adam Jones. You know what he stands out in? Triples, <laughs> which is also why he's better in points leagues. He'll get like yeah. eight or nine triples. I mean, if you just compare his 2015 and 2016 to Christian Yelich's, it's probably pretty close. Yeah, he was a top 20 outfielder in both formats in 2015 
He was 14th in points and 27th in Roto in 2016. So Adam Eaton going way below that in terms of average. I mean, his, his career high in home runs is 14. Yep. Uh, like, we're talking about maybe Yelich approaches 25 this year. Maybe. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a plenty of assumptions built into that. Like, his career is 21. There's still, there's like, still a 20% I increase. Think the place Adam Eaton will stand out this year if he stays healthy is going to be runs. Yes. yes. He's scoring 98, 91 runs on bad White Sox teams. Mm-hmm. Hitting in front of Bryce Harper or a collection of talent. It's going to be Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, yeah. Ryan Zimmerman, and Adam Eaton behind him. That's Daniel about Murphy. the best place to be in baseball. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so what do you think about Jay Bruce and Gregory Polanco in this range? 140th overall or so. Uh, you, you and I both like Jay Bruce, right, Adam? Yep, totally. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, Jay Bruce is a guy I like to rely on for 30 home runs at a, if, if I feel like I'm lagging in that category, like very reliable, um, in terms of what he's going to provide for you there. And then you just look at it, what he does in a points league contest. I mean, context 3.12 fantasy points per game last year. That's compared to Andrew Benintendi's 3.13. That's compared to Christian Yelich's 3.16. You know, he's right up there with them, or at least he was last year. And I don't know why there's we would expect any different. All righty. Um, and he also gives you about 100 RBIs, you know, so that's really nice, Jay Bruce. Mm-hmm. Gregory Polanco was playing hurt all last year. Chris talked about him as kind of a breakout, uh, you know, a bounce mm-hmm. back. So he is going ahead of, I think as we, we have about uh, 15, 20 minutes left. So I want to read a bunch of names. And I just want you to tell me who you guys want, basically. So we have Polanco. Then we have Manuel Margot, Adam Duvall. Nomar Mazzara. Uh, by the way, Ronald Acuna is also in this range. So let me put Acuna, Polanco, Margot, Duval, and Mazzara together. It's a lot of names. I'll say it again. Ronald Acuna, about 142nd overall. Uh, Gregory Polanco, Manuel Margot, Adam Duval, Nomar Mazzara. Heath, what's your take on that group? This is the could-be group. I don't know that anyone in this group you would have a real strong leg to stand on by saying they're definitively the better pick over the rest of the group but it's kind of a personal preference type thing like scott i know is not going to think adam duvall is at the top of this group because scott doesn't think adam duvall is going to keep his job but somebody could make the argument look at all the home runs adam duvall hit last year uh, i can make the argument look at nomar mazara's pedigree and what he's done at age 20 and 21 he's going to get better chris can make the argument gregory polanco was hurt last year we should give him credit for that he's a bounce back candidate and they're all valid points. I prefer Mazzara, um, and I put Acuna last, but I I can understand an argument for just about anybody in this range. Polanco's the only one of this group that's been a top twenty outfielder before, I believe. I don't know. Adam Duvall Maybe didn't Duvall. get there. Yeah. Duvall did. Uh, Duvall, okay, he did. Duvall's, in Roto, I'm worried, yeah, I'm more worried about Shebler losing his job than Duvall. I, I feel like Duvall, you know what you're getting, and if you need it, fine. It's like a poor man's Kyrus Davis. So okay, if you like that, great. But my choice would be Acuna and like I I tend to value the complete unknown over the one who's let us down in the past um and particularly I mean Acuna I think it's fair to say he has the highest pedigree of all these players I mean he's top prospect in baseball I, I would also add he probably has the most steals potential of all of these players he's the one he's the only one I could see doing 30 steals and maybe even beyond that so he would be my choice um, based on ceiling and based on not demonstrating a floor yet that, um, you know, the others, except for Duvall, the floor is pretty ugly. Okay. I, I, I think that I've become more interested in 
Gregory Polanco. But I also, like Scott, what you said about Nick Castellanos, that you don't really buy his ADP, that you think he'll go later in most drafts. In many drafts, yeah. I wonder if that's the same with Polanco. 145th overall, so is he really a round 13 guy? I don't know. Are people really taking him that early? Because I, I don't want him there. I don't remember seeing him go that early. Yeah, I don't want him there, but but like late teens, I See, definitely I, do want Polanco. I'm also totally fine with him there. Like I, I actually don't have a problem with taking him there. He uh he was 30th in 2015 and 19th in 2016. He's still 27 bases in 2015. He had two seasons in a row in the minors where he had 40 and 37 in less than 130 games. I think we're totally sleeping on Gregory Polanco. I think I, I've got him ranked as a 13th round pick. So, well, I'll he tell went you what, 170 man. in the head-to-head categories draft we just and did. he did. He went 224th in the Roto draft uh, on January 24th. I know it's been a while, but I don't think you have to take Gregory Polanco in the 13th round. And there's a lot of upside and bounce back potential. So I think I think we've made our our case pretty clear here on Polanco. All right, moving on down the line, Kyle Schwarber. Brett Gardner, 175th overall. Steven Souza, 176. Kevin Kiermeyer, Trey Mancini. So it's uh, Schwarber, who's going 10 picks ahead of the rest. Gardner, Souza, Kiermeyer, Mancini. I don't want to have to move Kyle Schwarber up this high to be the guy that doesn't like Kyle Schwarber. Um, I'd like to just be Kyle Schwarber agnostic. So do I just have to rank him where his ADP is? <laughs> Where do you have him ranked now? Uh, 182. Okay. But it's closer to like 50 at outfielder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of all these guys, Schwarber and Kiermaier are the only ones I have any interest in, I think. I, yeah, I mean, Kiermaier, you know, is a guy I'm drafting a lot for what seems like a pretty good bet for 20 steals, even with some of the injuries he's had over the last couple of years. If he doesn't, you know, if he stays healthy, maybe 30 steals with decent power. But Gardner's interesting because I think he's seen as so uninteresting that, you know, for for your last lineup spot in a five outfielder league, sometimes somebody yeah. like Gardner would be available there. And mm-hmm. that's 20 steals probably. That's the leadoff hitter for the lineup with Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, yep. I'd, I'm not excited about him either. But I can get excited about him if no one else is excited about him. Yeah, Schwarber and Kiermaier are the only ones I like at this price. Gardner, yeah. like, if he falls. If we were sure. doing a range of possibilities, though, like Kiermaier and Schwarber, their upside is through the roof. But if you have to bet on which of these three guys is going to be a better producer, I think you bet on Gardner. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, uh... I would rather pay for the upside of Schwarber. Schwarber has... Karis Davis upside. I do wonder if Gardner runs less. If they just say, like, dude, we got Stanton now. Let's not run into any outs. They have a new manager. But, yeah, I mean, we all agree. 170. Uh, was that? I said it's feasible. Yeah, 175th overall. Okay, fine. But he went for a dollar to Scott in the auction that we did right. yesterday. Uh, whereas I got Kiermaier for $4. You're never going to feel bad about drafting Brett Gardner. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. Uh, Souza was a top 30 outfielder last year. 27th in points, 30th in Roto. He got better everywhere. Homers, steals, walks went way up for him. Um, he was better on the road. I know he's not going to a great ballpark necessarily in Chase Field. We don't know. I think it's still going to be better than um, Tampa. And I think you guys actually had this argument a couple weeks ago. Not argument, but discussion a couple weeks ago. Uh, Souza, like, 
I, you know, there's some power speed there. Chris doesn't like Steven Souza, and I don't know why. Well, he got traded to the Diamondbacks, so he's DTM. This is not as much no, of a human as no, you. No, if you <laughs> – all right, so he improved his strikeout rate a little bit, uh, but he still swings and misses a ton, one of the, I think, 15 worst rates in baseball, and his contact rate was still just as bad as, as it's ever been. Um, I don't know if I buy him even as a 29% strikeout rate. I think that's going to regress. I think he's, I think he's probably a 25 homer guy in Chase Field. I think he's probably a 240 hitter. I mean, Chase Field, we still expect to be a better homer park than Tampa. I don't know. I, I really don't. It might be just as good. It might be better, but it's not going to be a good homer park. And I don't buy what he did last year. All right, let's go turbo speed here for the next 10 minutes and talk about a whole bunch of guys. First one's really interesting. He's probably the best name or certainly one of the best left. Michael Conforto, 184th overall. He's going to start uh, the year on the DL. Yep. Heath? Terrified. Don't want to pay for him if you get no him. chance. Like he went in the reserve draft of our 12-team. To me. 30-man roster league. Oh, and not that, to me. You know, that's fine. No, I screwed that up. I wanted to get him. I didn't take him. But the kind of injury he had... You look at the players in Major League history who've had that before. It's all a bunch of pitchers who were really good before it and then basically never heard from again. Like Mark Pryor. But they're pitchers. Who cares? They are pitchers. And it was, I think, anterior versus posterior or the other way around. Hey, hey, you got to not. We're (laughs) we're talking about, like, even then we're talking about uncharted territory. I think we're dealing with the unknown. Because, like, when you look at Tommy John surgery, really bad for pitchers. Nobody thinks Glaber Torres is going to be affected. Exactly, at all that's what I was. And, and say. that wow. and that that's not. Tommy John's surgery right, has a really good track. It's tracker. not necessarily a one to one thing. Hitters. It's just with hitter with this injury, there's just not a lot of history for hitters. All right, back to turbo speed. Here we go. So Conforto, <laughs> you guys don't want him there. Um, we've got Avi Garcia. I know you don't want him at, at 200 overall. Uh, Odubel Herrera, 214th overall. Heath, you like him. Oh yeah, I like Adubo Herrera a lot. I think he still has upside from what he did last night or last year. And even if he just does what he's been the last two years, he's a great value there. Bradley Zimmer, is he going to be anything more than steals this year? Certainly has the capacity for it. Needs to cut down on the strikeouts. I think just for the steals, he's probably worth it here. We're, yeah, we're into the 200s. We're at almost 60 outfielders. Delino to Shields right after Bradley Zimmer. I mean, Zimmer's got to be a much better draft pick than to Shields, right? I think yes. the shield is in the right place here, and Zimmer's undervalued. Corey Dickerson. I want to get excited about Corey Dickerson. I'm not sure he's giving me much reason to do so. What do you guys think? I think he's fine there. It's not a bad park for left-handed power hitters. Uh, it's probably an improvement over Tampa, I believe. Scott, you looked that up, right? Uh, it's, ba- it's basically the same for left-handed power hitters. You know what he is? He's a poor man's Adam Jones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I so that's drafting than Conforto. Dickerson. Okay. Mitch Haniger. Uh, these are some fun names. Mitch Haniger, David. This is a okay. This is an area of the draft. Yes, yes, yes. I want some of these players. Haniger, David Dahl. Thank you, Scott, for bringing him up on yesterday's show. I took him in the auction. Um, Mark Trumbo. Not necessarily wanting him. Michael Brantley. I have him. Mike. Michael Taylor is interesting. Aaron Hicks. Dexter Fowler. Haniger, Dahl, Trumbo, Brantley, Taylor, Hicks, Fowler. Pretty nice little Michael group Michael Taylor's there. really interesting there, I think. He's not going to hit 271 again, but there's 20-30 potential there. 
Yeah, I mean, he was 18, 21, and a hundred, uh, wait, no, that's his 19, projection. 19, 17. 19, 17, and 118 games last year. But yeah, it was a 363 Babbitt, strikes out a ton. My concern with Michael Taylor is just, Might if, if there's job. regression there, here comes Victor Robles. Yep. I grabbed Victor Robles in our, uh, auction reserve. I, there's, he's someone who should be drafted more than he is. All right, so let me get Heath. Uh, who are your two favorites in this group of Hanniger, Dahl, Trumbo, Brantley, Taylor, Hicks, and Fowler? Who three favorites? Three favorites. Uh, definitely Michael Brantley, just because I do think if he can just get healthy for the start of the year, yeah, you may lose him halfway in. He's going to be a big help, though, in a couple of important categories. So Brantley would be my favorite. I'll go with Hanniger as my second favorite. And I, that's the only two that I really want. Really? No, that's not true. You like Aaron Hicks as a late flyer, right? I mean, he's my 63rd outfielder. He's 15 spots behind the other guys. What about Fowler? I, I can pretty much guarantee that one of these guys is going to be on my team if, as, if I have a five outfielder league. Fowler's much more interesting in points leagues because he walks a lot. And that's that's probably the thing he does best, actually. You yeah. run into the problem of, is he one of the 36 or 40 best outfielders? Because nope. that's where he needs to be to start. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. I, I disagree. I think on a per-game basis, Dexter Fowler will be in points leagues. Yeah. I think he's a starting caliber outfielder in points leagues. I love the value here. 250. Like, he goes undrafted more often than he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then Aaron Hicks. Like, Aaron Hicks... Played a hundred. He played eighty-eight games. If he had played one hundred and fifty-five games at his eighty-eight game pace, he would have been the number nine outfielder in points leagues. His plate discipline greatly improved. He was off to a great start before an oblique injury, and then he was really terrible after the oblique injury. Um, so Hicks is interesting. I think they're all interesting. Yeah, he's interesting. The thing about Aaron Hicks, wimpy, wimpy contact. And there's a <laughs> roughly one percent chance he plays one hundred and fifty-five games. I don't know that I'm saying it was just the oblique that pulled him down in the second half. I think there was some correction well, going on there. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, he played more like Aaron Hicks. Well, wimpy contact, yeah. but also, like, Didi Gregorius says wimpy contact, but plays at Yankee Stadium. He's had 20 home runs two straight years, mm -hmm. 20 and 25. Well, yeah, I mean, except, you know, Aaron Hicks doesn't have that kind of home run to fly ball rate. But the thing is, like, I feel like among Yankees outfielders, you have, you know, Judge and Stanton splitting right. You have Gardner and left. Hicks presumably in center. Clint Frazier coming. Like, Hicks is probably going to be the odd man out there. All righty. And then we've got uh, some prospects. we got Willie Calhoun, Woo. Josh Reddick, Jackie Bradley, Shinsu Chu, Eloy Jimenez. I think I'll just read them five at a time. So it's Calhoun, Reddick, Bradley, Chu, and Jimenez. Turbo thoughts. If Calhoun is just bad defensively and plays every day, he's going to hit, and he could be a top 100 hitter. If he's not any worse than bad, you're saying. They'll yeah, want if him he's in their line. just yeah. bad. If yep. he's just bad, the Rangers can live with how good the hitting tool is. He's got yeah. power. He never strikes out. He looks like a better contact version of Rugnet Odor in terms of the batting profile. Reddick's a guy who's great on a per-game basis, a lot of contact, probably good average in a good lineup. It's just you don't expect him to play much against lefties. So this is probably the range he belongs in. Would you rather take a flyer on Willie Calhoun or Jackie Bradley? Calhoun. 
Calhoun, but I think Jackie Bradley's a nice value here. He is a nice value, and again, it's another situation like we talked about with Gardner. Calhoun has so much more upside, but if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Bradley having a better year than him this year. All right, next group of five, Heath, I'll throw it to you first. Aaron Altair, Victor Robles, Max Kepler, Stephen Piscotty, and Kevin Pillar. Altair, Robles, Kepler, Piscotty, and Pillar. Altair, Robles, and Piscotty are the three that are interesting from this group. I don't know that I'd say any of them are huge values for where they're being drafted, but all three of those guys have upside, especially these are the types of picks that I want to make. Kevin Pillar is not necessarily at the end of a roto draft. All right, Piscotty, just two, just 2016, was number 16 in points, number 22 in roto. He dealt with personal issues last year, got traded to the A's. Um, any chance Love he could it. be top 25 again? Want him on every team I have. Piscotty? All right. Yep. Uh, he's going so late. His ADP is 276th. Got him for a dollar yeah, in the auction. That seems insane. Yeah. Next group he's of five. That he's going that late. Super talented, bad park, but good lineup. Or could be a pretty good lineup. I, yeah. I know, I know. We don't like look at the projections for him. I really don't like, look at the projections. Uh, yeah, for that's him. fine. I don't, don't under- look. I don't understand don't. that. I, I agree. I've looked at them. I don't understand oh, them. It's too late. I know yeah. we like guys that we mentioned yesterday: Austin Hayes, David Dahl, uh, Chris, and Heath seem to like Randall Gritchick more than Scott does. Um, what about Matt Kemp? What about Jose Bautista, Cole Calhoun with the lower wall, Jose Martinez for St. Louis? Cole Calhoun seems wacky here. Like I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I wouldn't rather have him than Willie Calhoun, considering Willie Calhoun. Um, you know, it, it's not a hundred percent he's going to win that job. I don't even know that it's like eighty percent he's going to win that job. Uh, so and, and just we saw Max Kepler go quite a bit earlier. I feel like Kepler and Calhoun are similar, but Calhoun is better. Where so. did Calhoun finish in 2015? Because that's what I for Cole Calhoun. That's kind of what I think you're going to see this year, possibly with better run production numbers because the lineup around him should be better. But I do expect him to hit more home runs than he did last year. I expect the batting average to bounce back just a little bit. I just don't know how valuable 2015 Cole Calhoun. Don't is. you just wish he could steal like 10 bases, like? Yeah. He'd be so much more interesting with just a few stolen bases, and he just doesn't run. Yeah. Well, and I think because it, that's that's where it is, is that he's just like he's so average. He's everywhere. really fine. Like if he's eighteen homers, he's probably not worth starting even a five outfielder league. But if he's twenty five homers, he's pretty decent. Starter. I think he could legitimately approach ninety in both runs and RBI this year if he plays a full season in that lineup. Yeah. It looks like he was two thousand fifteen. You said he looked yes. like he was around thirtieth. Okay, that uh, sounds about right. But, you know, here's – like, this is the po- – you got to take upside at this point, right? I mean, if you're drafting outfielders this late, you're probably not drafting safe guys. It depends on what the rest of your roster looks like. Like, if you have gone after Acuna and you've gone after Kyle Schwarber, then this is probably a good time to take Cole Calhoun. I mean, what are the other – like, who is – who's the upside pick? Randall Gritchick. Randall Gritchick, Stephen Piscotty. Okay, but the, he's going well after Piscotty. Um, what about Matt right, Kemp? but but all of these guys are last round picks. Okay, I'm I'm just talking because I know in, oh. in our auction yesterday the reserve round Cole Calhoun was the last one taken. Like that's ridiculous. You know he's getting taken by like Melky Cabrera and Josh Harrison and uh like Nick Williams, David Peralta. Like I'm not so sure Calhoun isn't the upside guy. Is my point. Well, I'll tell you uh, two guys that you know maybe just because of pedigree, Lewis Brinson and Jack Peterson. Jack yes. Peterson. Yeah. And Jesse I, Winker. I, Lewis Brinson for sure should be 
drafted. Yeah, that is the more exciting pick than Calhoun. But Peterson, like they're talking about Matt Kemp being their primary left fielder. I don't even know that he's going to be a part-time player, Peterson. And Matt, so, Kemp, Matt Kemp is a, a good value here. He was very good very recently. Do you want him on your team, yay or nay? Uh, Hunter Renfro. Yay. Nay. Dustin yay. Fowler. Yay. Yay. Gerardo Parra. No. Nay. Nay. Uh, Gerard Dyson. Part-time player, right? Nay. Nay. There are better versions of Gerard Dyson in Miami. Yes. Cameron and Maben. Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, Cameron Maben then. And Malik Smith. Cameron yay Maben's Tampa. a yay. Cameron Maben's a yay? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking, holy Five crap, it's the end of the draft and I don't have enough steals, then yeah, that's a good pick. Jose Bautista. No. no. Nay. I'm not sure anybody in the majors wants him on that. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, Nick Williams. Nay, because I think Altair's better, and I think – I don't not, think it'll be a strict lefty-righty he's platoon. He's not going to play. Nay. Okay. Nay. All right, you bunch of horses. We got to go. Because uh, we're, na- we're we're saying nay. That's right. I thought he was going to say horses' asses. <laughs> uh, you know, it was implied. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy our auction podcast tomorrow. And we'll be back on Monday either with news or our first look at starting pitchers. For Scott, for Heath, for Chris, I'm Adam. See you later.